1: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 44 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Today, I have with me in my podcasting studio, my very firstborn, one and only oldest child, Dominic Rayo. I am going to interview him today, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his childhood memories of growing up around firearms in the family and some of the valuable lessons that he learned and what he does today using those lessons that he learned growing up in the family that he grew up in. So, Dominic, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit?
0: Yes. Hi, my name is Dominic Rayo, and talking a little bit about me growing up with guns and everything, my dad's a game warden which is a a peace officer. He works with law enforcement and everything. He has a lot of the same rights as police officers except he also deals with animals. So, growing up with my dad being a game warden, he he'd always have a gun belt on him and everything. I was I was very familiar and comfortable with firearms from a young age and I was always learned not to touch and sometimes I'd I'd see a firearm laying on the table or something, I I know not to touch it or how to make it safe. It always, it always be safe. No ammunition anywhere to be seen. I was just taught from a young age to firearm safety.
1: Good, good, good. So with that firearm safety and responsibility, we also introduced you to hunting at a pretty young age as well. So to become a proficient hunter, we have to spend a lot of quality time at the gun range. So tell me about some of your memories growing up when you were a little bitty and going to the gun range.
0: Well, yes, I I remember we'd we'd always go to the gun range and rifle shoot, pistol shoot. I didn't shotgun shoot too early on, but I I mainly started with rifles. Um, I'd go to the gun range and me and my dad and my mom, whoever else was with us, we'd go out there and we'd just shoot and have fun on the range.
1: What did we start you off with? Do you remember?
0: A twenty-two.
1: Okay. Why do you think we use twenty-twos?
0: Because twenty-twos are kid-friendly.
1: <laughs> what does that mean? What? Are they, why are they kid-friendly?
0: They're they're really they're really easy to work and make safe and everything, and they don't have much recoil.
1: Right. And I love training a new shooter or even an experienced shooter using 22s because you can really work through the fundamentals by using 22s for like what Dominic said, there's low sound, there's low recoil, and those are... Things that you don't have to think about when you're operating a .22 firearm, whether it's a rifle or a pistol, because you can really focus on your aiming, your breathing, your trigger squeeze when you're only using a .22. And I want to also state that it's not just a .22. Those are cringy words for me saying just a or only because a 22 can be a lethal round if not used safely. A 22 round can go how far, Dominic? Two and a half miles. Ideally, a 22 round can go up to two and a half miles. So, I don't like saying that it's just a 22 or it's only a 22 because that can give us a false sense of safety. You still treat a 22 like you would um, any other type of firearm and treat it like it's loaded and always watching that muzzle control and keeping that finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. So we went to the gun range. We did a lot of shooting in our downtime and our spare time. Tell me about some of the hunting activities that you remember growing up.
0: Yes. Yeah, so my mom and dad used to help out landowners with, with guiding and managing their youth hunts. So whenever I turned seven, one of the ranches that my mom and dad used to help work at um, invited me to be a part of their, their next youth hunt. So I remember I was seven I got to go onto their property and it was it was really nice, it was it.
1: So what kind of a ranch did you get to experience for your very first youth hunt?
0: It was actually a Texas billionaires ranch, and he had two massive mansions filled with um any kind of animal mount you can imagine.
1: From just the United States?
0: From United States, Africa, all over the world. He had polar bear mountings back when they were illegal to hunt. He had elephants, African wildlife, lions, stuff like that. It, it was a really neat first hunt.
1: So you were very, very lucky to be invited to be a part of this youth hunting experience. So tell me what your thoughts were getting to go on a property like this and to see what you saw, and to be guided by one of the best, most knowledgeable biologists that I've had the chance to work with, um, what were your thoughts as a seven year old in that kind of an atmosphere?
0: Well, as a seven year old it was it was really impressive, but also being that young, I didn't really think much of it. Well, what I mean is being that young, I was seven, it was my first hunt. I had never experienced a, a hunt. Or what was normal and what was exceptional, stuff like that. What happened is on his property, uh, he loaded up all the hunters in a jeep. And the biologist knew where all the deer were or whatever we were shooting. He knew where everything was, what pasture and, and where they were located. So we, we'd we all get in the jeep and the biologist would drive us directly out to whatever he wanted shot. And my first animal I shot was a fallow buck deer. And it was really neat. They, I dropped the animal. We, we got out of the Jeep. Me and my parents came up. We posed for the picture and then I didn't see it again until it was in my fridge. And I thought that's what normal hunting was. So the hunt after that was on a more n- normal hunt, you could say.
1: What do you mean by normal hunt?
0: I was in a deer blind by five in the morning shivering, and I was looking around for a Jeep.
1: (laughs) Why were you looking for a Jeep?
0: Because I wanted to get driven out to the animal. I didn't know they had to come to
1: us.
0: (laughs) And also on that hunt, that's when I had to skin my first year because my first hunt, I didn't have to skin anything. They all skinned it for all of us.
1: So you didn't have a walkie-talkie that you could radio to somebody back at the house (laughs) when you shot your animal to come and field dress it for you? Nope. So what happened on your first hunt that you were in a blind hunting with one of us? I'm sure it was me or me or dad.
0: Yeah, it was it was either you or dad. Um that that was also a neat hunt cuz it was a complete change of pace. I was in a blind and we were we are watching the deer feeder, watching the sun come up and I I had I did have luck on that hunt too. I shot a whitetail buck and like I said this is the first time, first hunt, where um we had to scope out the area beforehand, see where the deer were feeding and where they were. We had to look for the right place to set up the pop-up blind. We we drove around on a four-wheeler the, the morning of whenever we got dropped off to the deer blind and spread out corn and everything, and then we waited. I thought the deer just showed up at sunup. I thought they could smell the corn and they'd be there. But I learned from a very young age, hunting is a hit or miss like anything else. Um, you go out there and you have to be all right with not getting anything. But luckily, I, I did. And like I said, after I, I shot my white my tail buck, I had to go bring it to the skinning rack. And that was my first time skinning a deer.
1: How old were you when you skinned that deer?
0: I was seven.
1: Seven years old. So you've had lots of years to practice and perfect. Your skinning techniques in the field. Yes. So, you learned how to hunt um, for many years. You sat in a deer blind with me or my husband or with another guide, and you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot of sunrises before the hunt happens. You've seen a lot of sunsets when your hunt is over. Tell me about some of the most memorable things that you remember sitting in deer blinds.
0: Well in order to see anything I learned from a very young age you need to be very quiet and very still in the deer blind to to see anything to have anything come out. It's just really neat seeing animals come out whatever you're hunting whether it be deer hogs or anything else it's really neat to see what you're hunting for actually come out because everything that you kind of set up is falling into place with where you're located and where you where the corn is and and seeing them come out's just really neat.
1: Do you only see your targeted animal come out?
0: No. There are times when you'll be hunting does and bucks will come out or deer and hogs will come out or rabbits. You'll see birds around the corn. Um, you, you'll see all types of animals.
1: So learning how nature interacts, um, how has that made you a better hunter?
0: Well, it's made me a better hunter because... All these years of of hunting and sitting in a blind, I've I've studied the animals, I've watched them, I've watched them group up together. I've watched them feed. Um, if I'm in a certain spot that I come to a lot, I'll I'll normally get a sense of where they usually come out of the woods, um, where they like to eat, what they what they don't, what weather they come out in, and stuff like that.
1: Good. So. Having all those experiences and growing up like you have, um, we were able to watch you grow in your hunting skill, in your hunting ethics, and tell me a little bit about your hunting ethics now that I brought that word up. Um, so what is what does an ethic mean to you?
0: So ethics is doing the right thing even when no one else is watching, So what that means is when I'm presented with the shot, I, I make sure everything's good before the three questions I and all other hunters should ask themselves before taking a shot is, is it safe, is it legal and is it ethical in that order? So ethical shots, you want to make sure everything's safe and and legal. If something's too far, it might not be the best option to take the shot and in danger of wounding the animal. hitting another animal or you just want to make sure everything's lined up and perfect before you take the shot
1: and how much time should that take for you to do that
0: all the time you want because once you pull the trigger you can't take anything good or bad that that bullet does back so i i've sat in a blind for for 15 or 20 minutes looking through binoculars to make sure what i'm shooting at is what i'm shooting at um you don't want to be shooting at a doe and accidentally shoot a nubbing buck or something like that. You just take all the time you need and and make sure what you're shooting at is what you're shooting at.
1: So as a parent, watching your kid do that and learn those skills and a lot of that experience comes from the field and just through trial and error and through learning, through watching others and being part of some of these experiences, um, we were able to allow Dominic to hunt by himself when he turned 16. He showed us that he was mature enough to handle a firearm safely, to take those extra moments however long he needed to, to determine whether those shots were legal, ethical, safe. He's demonstrated that to us, so we were able to allow him to hunt by himself, which as a hunter, especially as a young hunter, that is a huge rite of passage to be able to go on your own and be in a blind by yourself making your own decisions. So do you remember that very first time that you were able to go by yourself on a hunt
0: yes the first time I was able to go on my go by myself on a hunt I was on a turkey hunt and seeing that this was my first time alone away from my guide and everything it added a second layer of safety and caution that I hadn't normally have taken on hunts because I'd rely on the guide to if that's a safe shot then I would shoot but seeing that I was alone when the turkeys came out, I, I was extra cautious that nothing was behind them. They weren't grouped up. They were in range. They were what I was shooting at. And like I said, it just adds a second layer of caution being your first time alone.
1: So you were pretty fortunate on your first time alone hunting that uh, you were pretty successful on that turkey hunt, weren't you?
0: Yes, I shot my first turkey hunting by myself.
1: So what other animals were you able to hunt on your own?
0: Well, hunting alone, we we mainly go on deer hunts. So a lot of does, a lot of spikes, and a couple turkeys, hogs, and waterfowl.
1: So being successful on your own, again, as parents, we allowed Dominic to grow with that and those experiences on his own where we were able to do additional youth hunting opportunities and Dominic was able to guide a brand new hunter. So tell us about that.
0: Yes. So that was my first guided hunt, which like my mom said, it's really neat seeing yourself go from youth and being guided to being on your own and then being the guide yourself. So I guided my first hunter and coincidentally, his his name was actually Hunter, so it was really neat being with them and guiding him on his first hunt. He was successful. He shot a whitetail buck, and seeing that this was his first time on a hunt, it was it was neat seeing him kind of fidget around and and because he didn't know that you had to be still and quiet. And thinking back to my first hunt, I didn't know any of the same things, and my parents got mad at me when I was fidgeting and being noisy. So it, it was really neat being on the guide side of the table and and watching a new hunter go through the same stuff that I did and and telling them right like my parents told me.
1: And how did that make you feel when you taught hunter, the hunter, how to identify game, how to be still, be quiet, be safe, be legal, be ethical? How did that make you feel by teaching a new hunter those skills that you learned and watching him follow your lead and do exactly what you told him to do and be successful in the very end. How did that make you feel?
0: It felt really good. It it was like looking in a mirror, literally all the stuff I used to do, watching him do it and me doing what my parents used to do and telling them right and wrong and, and why we were positioned where we are and why the corn and everything, why everything's like it is. And just telling them uh, right and wrong and, and watching them follow my lead was really neat.
1: So I think that's pretty awesome how you were able to make full circle by being a new hunter and then being guided and then hunting on your own and then ultimately, again another rite of passage for a uh, a young hunter is to actually be able to guide another new hunter and and take one and make one take a new hunter and and make a hunter out of someone else. So that's that's pretty cool. And as a mom and living and breathing hunting and firearm safety. I think that's pretty awesome that that you did that. So um, obviously hunting season's only so long. And I know, of course, living in the same house that you do, I know how much you love hunting in the outdoors. Tell me what sparked your interest to learn more about hunting and to keep on talking hunting throughout the year.
0: Well, yes. As we mentioned earlier, my my dad, he he retired a couple years ago for for being a game warden, and he whenever he retired, he he started teaching hunter education classes, and I started going with them, uh, uncertified or anything, just sitting through the classes, and it was it was really interesting, and so I got certified to be an assistant.
1: So just to add to that a little bit, every state has a mandatory hunter education law of some sort, depending on whatever that state's born after date is. Um, everybody has to have hunter education at some point in their lives to be able to legally hunt in that particular state. A lot of states require a first time licensed buyer in that state, a hunting license buyer in that state to have hunter education. So it doesn't matter where you take hunter education, it's reciprocal in all of North America and in other countries, including Canada, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia, and Peru. There may be a few more that I've left out, but basically as long as you have hunter education from somewhere... As long as you keep that on your person while you're hunting in most jurisdictions, you're legal to hunt in any location with your hunter education. So Dominic took it upon himself to start going to classes, mostly to be a pack mule and to schlup all the bins and boxes of materials with um, his dad, getting the classes set up. And he sat through so many classes that he wanted to find out what he needed to do to become an instructor. So tell us a little bit about that process of becoming an instructor.
0: So when I was 15, I sat through a class put on by the state, a hunter education instructor class on how to be an instructor. Um, So I sat through it and became an assistant instructor, and I helped my dad teach.
1: So when you guys have classes that you offer, what are some of the topics that you cover?
0: Well, hunter education's split up into three parts. The The first part's going to be gun safety. The second part is Texas laws and regulations. And the third part is going to be hunting ethics.
1: So in a typical class, what are the average age of students that attend?
0: Well, that's actually, that's what makes teaching hunter ed kind of hard because you can get people from nine years old, which is the minimum. We get a lot of nine-year-olds and you can take hunter ed all the way up till you're 100 or or more so we get we get a lot of families coming through hunter education um a lot of kids and and adults and like i said that's what makes it hard because you can't be too mickey mouse for the kids because they're going to be adults and you can't be a too advanced for the adults because they're going to be kids so you you sort of need to find that mid-range to talk
1: is that the most challenging that you've experienced so far
0: that is the most challenging because you need to you need to find a center for every single class you for every single class you teach and make sure everyone understands and knows what's going on.
1: So you've seemed to have pretty good luck. Um, I've had a lot of people compliment on your teaching style, and it's kind of cool to watch a teenager help teach classes who predominantly are filled with um, young people because a lot of times a young person is going to learn better from another young person than having another adult stand there and try to teach them some some safety and some ethics. So it's really neat watching Dominic um, teach teach a group of young people and watch how, how well they learn and how well they do in the class and, and pass the test. So past hunter education, I know we've talked a lot about hunting and your experiences, but Beyond hunting, there's so much around firearms and firearm safety. And again, our family has a love of firearms. Um, I know our kids have been raised around guns. And Dominic, I want to ask about um, what your passion is with shooting and rifles and pistols and shotguns. Tell me about what your favorite types of firearms are to shoot and how you've reached beyond your – passion and how you continue enjoying the shooting sports.
0: So I'm very open-minded. I like shooting all all types of rifles and firearms, but my favorite deer hunting rifle is a 25-06 that I've taken on a lot of deer and and youth hunts. I actually started shooting it pretty young on. Um,
1: How have you taken your love of rifle shooting a step further?
0: I'm also a certified assistant with the NRA Rifle, Shotgun, and Pistol classes. So I'll, I sit through with my parents and and I help them teach, like I said, the Rifle, Shotgun, and Pistol. And I help on the range and a little bit in the classroom.
1: So what do we teach in those classes?
0: In the Rifle, Pistol, and Shotgun classes, we teach the basics and fundamentals with the gun safety, the terminology, how to shoot, different stances, stuff like that. These classes are geared for beginner, beginner shooters.
1: So as you can see, we've submerged our family into shooting and firearm safety and hunting from a very early age. And this is something that we believe in and we're very passionate about. And I love it that my kids have grown up around this and they continue to do this as they become adults. So is there anything final you'd like to add, Dominic?
0: Yes, I just hope that all y'all find as much joy and, and fun in the outdoors and hunting, shooting, all those outdoor activities as I do.
1: There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit northamericanoutdoors.org and follow us on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.
0: I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.